Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, it's Blue, CEO of Blue Bunny. We just launched our new twist on soft serve, Twist Cones. The only things softer than twist cones are soft rock, ocean breezes, and the bunnies from accounting. And that's it. Blue Bunny, we make fun. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the Goldilocks Productions presentation of the In the Psychic Flow Show with Caroline Carey. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to In the Psychic Flow. Wonderful to have you with us tonight. I have people watching from YouTube and uh, on StreamYard, Speaker, uh, Spotify, Periscope, a few other places will be joining us tonight. We have a wonderful guest I can't wait to tell you about. And by the way, I'm your host, Carol Ann. I just want to let you know that we have this delightful gentleman with us. Carl Petrie is with us tonight. He is an author and an independent filmmaker and particularly interesting is he is a clairvoyant psychic and paranormal investigator. So we're going to speak with Carl tonight. Thank you. Welcome, Carl, for joining us. Hey, it's great being here today. I'm going to uh, blow your horn here a little bit with uh, your biography so people are aware, all right, of all the things that you do. Uh, first, I want to start with, uh, let's see. You are known for your accurate clairvoyance. Your retrocognition, now that's a term I have not heard used before, so that's interesting. We'll get into that. Psychometry, and you participate in paranormal investigations. You are from the Ironbound section of Newark, New Jersey, which is named such for the three railroads that cross there. So I know a little bit about it, being from Jersey. Uh, You've had your ability since a child, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. Uh, Your experience is very strange to me. Uh, because it, and interesting, strange in an interesting way, because you see things, hear things, just talking to people, like talking to me. I don't want to know what you're getting, um, but <laughs> it's interesting 
that you do your investigations. You have done investigations with police or homicide, missing persons, kidnapping, uh, and paranormal investigations. So you work that way. You've done uh, studied remote viewing, which I find absolutely fascinating. So we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about uh, your history a little bit. You finished uh, as a child. You've discovered your abilities. And I'm not sure, and it was not a good experience for you. So we will delve into that. Your book, um, which is Absent Witness, is incredibly interesting. And so you wrote that, as a, at, which has all of your history and everything in it and your experiences. I just want to touch on, you had a weird childhood because of this ability. And you finished high school. You uh, enlisted in the Air Force. You were in a electrical technology school. Yeah, uh, automotive school. Automotive. Okay, I'm sorry. You corrected me on that. You enlisted in uh, Vietnam. You were seriously injured. And uh, after the hospital, when you returned to Newark, thank you for your service, by the way, for being with us and, and uh, sharing your experience with that. Thank you very much, you. sir. Um, you reti- returned to Newark and you worked for the Fed P- Federal Pacific and Electric Company. Yes. For a while. Then... Um, you married your high school sweetheart. I said that in 1973 and you started your own company yes. after your first company move, Federal Pacific move. You started your own company, Metro Video Productions, which was commercial and forensic video and photography, which you are now retired from. Yes. Good. Okay. I got that. Now, um, you do, you did not speak about your ability until you were in your forties. That's correct. Wow. That's weird in a way, I guess, because you weren't comfortable. You had other things going on and you didn't. Well, want to I, wasn't, I wasn't quite sure of what I had. Okay. Um, I could see things that other people couldn't, but I kept it to myself. And I recall one evening I was walking with my wife down the street and I said to her, when you look at the buildings that were walking past, do you ever see it? Changed to where it was like in the 1920s. And mm-hmm. when you p- pass the cars on the street, you ever look at the cars and they turn into cars from the 1940s. And when you look into the window, you can see like a mohair interior with things that somebody would have in the 40s. Do you see that? She said, no. And I said, I do. And I was a- I see this these things all the time, but I always kept it to myself because nobody wants to hear it. They think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. So you just keep your mouth shut and you move on with your life. Did After she, she told me that. Did, excuse me, Carl. Did she know when she married you, you had this? Probably not. No. Oh, wow. So what did she say? What was what was her reaction when you told her? Well, her reaction was that uh, maybe there's something wrong and you should seek help with it. So I went to see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I sat in his room and I looked around the room and I could see the way it was, let's say, 40 years ago. Wow. And I said to him, I have this situation where I um, I could go into a room and I see the way it was before. And I know things like uh, how things were built and all that. And I says, and it's really messing up my life. So he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, what kind of insurance do you have? I said, I don't don't think you want to see. These are a situation, an ongoing situation that I have. And I says that I could tell you things about yourself, about this, this building. And I says, as a matter of fact, right behind you, I said, there was ways coding. There's like a, a paneling type of stuff that was on the walls before. And he looked at me and then he looked me in the eye again. And he said, How'd you get along with your mother and father? So I realized that this was not the route to go. Uh But um, what later happened is I had a friend and uh, she asked me to come to her house to do some electrical work. So I went there and I met her mother. So I looked at her mother and I said, oh, I said, you went to a school right across the street from the school was a sweet shop, and every day at lunchtime, you bought a double uh, scoop ice cream cone. 
She goes, yeah, who told you that? I says, no, I could see it. And then I started telling her about that. And so she sort of like freaked out. And uh, so she said, uh, how long have you had this? I said, my entire life. I said, I could tell you a lot of things. Some things I just don't want to talk about. And uh, it was really strange. And this is a great story. Uh, her mother was, you know, now she's very, very old. And she was in a nursing home. And she couldn't speak. But she just sort of like sat there, you know, in, in this, this hospital. So I went to see her. And I looked at her. And I was surprised what I saw. And the family looked at me because they just a look on my face like I know something. So when we left, she said, Carl, what did you see with my mother? I said, if I tell you, I'm going to sound like I'm insane. Now, the whole family's around me. And I said, here's what I see. She was talking to she was young. She was talking to a man who was also very young. And there was a horse by them. And they were right by a fence. I said, this woman, your your mother, took the feeding bag off of the horse, emptied the oats, put it on her head, and was dancing to Charleston. So I figured, now the family's going to look at me like I'm nuts. And I turned around, and I looked at the family, and they had solid looks on their face. Really? I said, does that mean anything to you? They go, you don't know our family, do you? I said, no, I don't. They go, you know how my grandfather made all his money? I said, I have no idea. He used to build feed bags for horses. And you know what my grandmother did when they first met? I said, what? She was a dancer in the 20s, and she used to dance at speakeasies and doing the, uh, you know, flapper dances. Wow. They must have been floored. Yes, they were. But I was holding back. I didn't want to say the rest of it. So the daughter, who knows me, you know, the family was okay. And we walked away. Then the daughter says to me, you're holding back. What else did you see? And I said, it makes a little difference. It's been a long time. Forget about it. She goes, oh, no. She goes, I don't get along with my grandmother. She goes, but you're holding back on something. And so we talked about it, and I says, I, I really want to get into it. And the grandmother was very close to dying. And finally, I says, look, if I tell you something, will you leave me alone? And we'll keep it between the two of us. Uh-huh. And she said, okay, yeah, that's, it's a deal. It never goes any further than the two of us. I said, your grandmother was arrested many times for soliciting. Uh-huh. And I said, she was arrested many times. And you'll find her record on microfilm and the Bergen County Courthouse in Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh, my God. Because her grand, they moved to New York State. And I said that you'll find the records in Hackensack. I said, but let's just forget it. I forgot it. She didn't. She went right to Hackensack, right to the records, went into the microfilm, and she saw all the arrests that her grandmother had for soliciting. And she says, how did you know? I says, I could see it. Hmm. So now you get an idea of what it's like to be me when I look at different people. Yeah, and that's how, what I'm how saying. Popular that's could be, how fast you could become unpopular. Yeah, yeah, right? Right. right. When um, you were working cases, I assume, with the police, right? No. no. Police really no. don't want you to work. If people okay. say that the police knock on their door and say, Help us out. You know, we have a problem here. Uh, I've never seen it. Uh, police, uh, the one policeman I, I spoke to, he said, we can't officially hire you or use you officially. Because if we do and you solve the case, the taxpayer is going to say, why are we paying these policemen? when We could just hire this guy and he'll do everything for us. He goes, so you're not too good for us policemen to do this. Um, in one case with the FBI, they were, they were looking for this guy that um, raped this woman and left her for dead. And uh, I said to the parapsychologist that I knew from 
uh, the Parapsychology Foundation in New York. And I said, I know where this guy is at. And the, police, the FBI is looking at the wrong place. I says, I'm not allowed to call the FBI, but you can and tell them that I have information. So she says, okay, I'll try it. So she called the FBI and she says, I have someone here who has psychic abilities and he says, you're looking for the for this man in the wrong spot and he knows where he's at. So the FBI said, it is the policy of the FBI that we do not hire or use psychics for investigations. However, if he has information that he'd like to give us, We'll gladly take it. So I told them where they could find him. And I said, he's um, on a third floor of this apartment building. I said, he's in the kitchen with his back to the stove in, in his kitchen. It's his grandmother's place. And he's wearing what I call it a gubalini. It's like a socking hat. And I says, and all he, there's a reward out for him. He's afraid to go outside. And he just wants money to go back to Puerto Rico. Okay. So I gave the information to her. She gave it to the FBI. Within an hour, they called her back. And they said, we went to the place where he told us to go. We went up to the right floor, knocked on the door. And when a woman answered the door, we saw a guy sitting on the floor with his back to the stove, wearing a stocking cap. And we said, we'd like to talk to you. All he says, I just want enough money to go back to Puerto Rico. And they caught him. So he, they called up this parapsychologist and they said, how do these people do this? How did he know? But I was happy to get this guy off the street and he was prosecuted. Mm-hmm. So that's and the way it usually works with policemen or FBI. I would imagine uh, it's helpful for missing persons. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh it's also good for missing people or finding money that's missing. Mm-hmm. You know, when money is misplaced and uh, somebody dies or whatever, and they're looking for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a pretty good guy to see if I can find it for them. If you, um, <clears throat> I didn't go over your films, your uh, docudramas yet either, but you did um, in your book, absent witness, you do talk about uh, the young lady that, I won't blow it. Um, whose real name is not Angela Webb. That's correct. That way. And uh, yes, yeah, that's way. Our fascinating story uh, about that house is I've never heard of. What did you call it? A, a soul. It's a soul stealing house. Soul stealing. Right. If you own this house, uh, you'll be um, it like takes takes over you. And people who have, of course, there's a lot of people who don't believe it, and they buy the house. It's been up for sale many, many times since 2011. Yeah. And uh, people just don't believe it, but it's true. And uh, as the story goes about this, um, I'll make it very brief. I won't go into great detail. But a woman visited a friend of mine who's uh, the English psychic. She lives in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And... uh, she went there for a reading, and my friend said, you are surrounded by a lot of people. She goes, that's not true. I live alone. She goes, no, you're surrounded by a lot of people. And she said, well, my house near Pennsylvania that I have, I live there alone, but I am surrounded by a lot of ghosts. He said, ghost? She goes, yes. She goes, would you like to come and see him? She goes, yes, I would. So she picks up the phone, calls me up, and asks me if I want to go to this house, which I agreed to do. So we drove out. It's right over the border from Pennsylvania in New Jersey. So we went there, and it was the most haunted house I ever saw. Uh, see, when other psychics, they sense like there's an entity around, I could see it. I see entities. So we went there, and when we got into the house, I'm looking at the woman, and she's saying, thanks for coming out. As she's talking to me, I'm looking over her shoulder, 
And there's a woman entity, a woman ghost standing right behind her, watching us as we're walking in. And uh, the story goes that um, I knew everything about the ghost, about her life back in the 1800s. The house is very old about her torment that she had living in this house. Mm. And uh, towards the end of our visit, we're in the, um, in the kitchen. And you have to understand that my friend who's the English psychic is very British and she's very prim and proper. I mean, prim and proper. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this woman and I can't help it, but I could see things. So I said to her, uh, did you ever have an intimacy with the entities in the house? Let's read that. <laughs> so my British friend, she's sitting to the side and she gives me the. <laughs> yeah. So the woman goes, are you asking me if I had sex with the ghost in the house? And I went, well, yes. And she looks at me, she goes, yes, I have. Oh, my God. So now my British friend is like all ears now, like, tell me more, you know. And uh, so she was saying, you know, about her experiences with these entities. And uh, as she was talking about it, behind us was a bookcase. Now, this is in the kitchen and she had cookbooks in it. As she started to talk to us, the books in the bookshelf started slamming from side to side. Wham, one side, the other side, one side, the other side. And it was very loud. And we're watching these books in front of our eyes going back and forth. And the woman who owns the house is just like bored with it. And so my friend says, does this happen often? She goes, no, usually the books are going out and they start flying around the room. Oh, my God. So. It's amazing. Now you know what kind of a house it was. Yeah. And, uh, okay. It's. Um, to put in a cap onto this thing, uh, there was the BBC who wanted to come down and see this house that is very active with entities. I mean, you don't have to wait for them. They come out to see you. Amazing. And uh, as the BBC was there, we were making arrangements to go to her house with the trucks, with the equipment and all this. And uh, we were at my friend's apartment in Manhattan the psychic, the English psychic. And uh, so the woman, before she left, uh, the BBC, Angela Webb, gave business cards to everyone. And on the business card, you look at it, said her name. She worked for Cantor Fitzgerald, World Trade Center in New York. Mm. Shortly after that, that's when the planes went right through the windows. It went right through Cantor Fitzgerald's window. And a woman died. And I saw how she died psychically. It was very, very disturbing. So bad. Because how do you, especially as a child, I think now you're probably more used to it. And it's still very emotionally upsetting. How, as a child, do you deal with something like that? You know, you just, nobody's prepared, are they? How do you deal with it? Because you can't say anything. As a child, um, Worse. I would I would see something and I would bring it out to my brother and say, look at that car coming down the street. It's a Model T. And he says, I don't see a car. I said, but it's right there. See the guy driving it? And he goes, I don't see a car. The next thing you know is me and my brother are rounded around on the ground punching each other because <laughs> I don't like the fact that he's saying that he doesn't see something that I see perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. Do you see the problem? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And you did um, write about this in the book, and you were talking about, uh, let me go over your films first, your independent films. Yes. Which you started in 1985 doing this? Yes. Okay. So, um, and I also want to uh, point out, IMBD is where you can see Carl's films listed, docudramas, videos, every docudramas, I guess, is a a great word for it. the story of this young lady that passed away, this poor thing, she is in absent witness, that story about yeah. her. You were working on your second book 
And can you tell us a little bit of what happened? This girl was going, this lady was going to be, her story was going to be featured in that second book. And can you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Well, actually, the woman that I discussed before, she's in the first book. She's in the first book, okay. Right, about about that. Um, the second book has, you know, other stories that I were a part of, you know, was a part of. And uh, the docudramas, uh, well, it, the, the movie that I made about her was called The Ghost of Angela Webb. There you go. All right. And that story, uh, you know, I made it more entertaining, but it shows a little bit about my character. It also brings in my British friend, her character. And uh, uh, there was an actor called Michael Thomas uh, who passed away, but he was uh, he played me in the film. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, he was uh, very good. And the movie did very, very well. You know, so I'm very pleased about that. Could people like the story? I didn't have to make it up. Right. I just had to translate it into a, a format that people could, could watch. So if you go on, uh, I found out a lot about you on um, occult.com. Is that the name of that website? I have no idea. It's, I think it's occult.com. I think we're interviewed on that. So please look that up, people. Okay. You're going to find some very interesting information. Your uh, docudramas are some of them Ironbound Vampire, Dreams uh, of the Dead. What was the second one? D- uh, Dreams of the Dead. I don't really know. That's not mine. Oh, okay. That's not yours. How about the, um, what was the other one? The Ghost of Angela, the Ghost of Angela Webb. That's her story. How right. about Dear Diary? Dear Diary. That was, uh, it was a good story about a woman who decided to have a sex change operation. Now, I knew this woman, and uh, she wanted to be a man. So it was a story about her life. So that was what the docudrama was about. That's amazing. And the problems that she had during this thing. And then I did one called Roswell Yes. Yes, that's the other one, yes. Uh, that was, um, I met this man named... Uh, Bob Durant, and he did a 20-year research on the crash at Roswell. Mm. And I saw a horrible video of him presenting at a conference. I mean, it was a terrible video. And I, um, a friend of mine, Ingo Swan, who's a remote viewer, he was a remote viewer for the government, and he said to me, what do you think of this? I said, it's really good. It's a lousy video, but the, the content, the man is great. Yeah. He says, Here's his number. Give him a call. Maybe you could reshoot it. So I called the man and uh, I said to him that I saw the video that he presented with the Roswell case. And um, I said, the video really wasn't that good. And I like to reshoot it. He goes, how'd you get my number? I said, I got it from Ingo Swan. And, every, you know, they know him as remote viewer. He goes, oh, you know Ingo? I says, we're very good friends. He goes, whatever you want, I'll do it. Uh-huh. So we came out with this uh, uh, documentary about the uh, his um, participation and in, in research in the Roswell case. And we shot this thing. I shot this video for $2,000. I had a friend that had a, uh, a studio, and we used the studio. I set up my camera, and later on, I got an audience that I put in later, and for two thousand dollars, and we sold about sixty thousand copies. It really did well. And then, as I was in my office, I have my caller ID on my phone, and I see a name of a company in Burbank, California. So I answered it, and the voice on the other end said, we'd like to buy a VHS copy of Roswell Yes. That was the name of it, Roswell Yes. And I said, don't you want a DVD? Because it's going all the way to California. It may get crushed in the mail. He goes, no, no, no. We want a VHS copy. So I sent them the VHS copy. Eight days later, my phone rings, and I see the name of the company, Burbank, California, I answer it, figuring that it got there crushed. So I said, you know, I 
answered it. And he goes, remember us? Last week we ordered a copy of Roswell Yes from you. I said, yes. Did it get there crushed? He goes, oh, no, it came here in perfect condition. But we weren't buying it for us. We are buying it for Steven Spielberg. Would you hold on? He'd like to speak to you. Oh, my goodness. That was the first time God ever called me. And he called me up and uh, and he said that it was the greatest documentary he ever saw on the Roswell crash. He wow. said, it's so good. I wish that I saw it before I did my series called Taken. I wish mm-hmm. I saw your video yes. first. Yes, right. So the movies have done very, very well. Is there anything that you would like to uh, do a film about besides your the project that you had to put on hold here? Right. Sounds fascinating. Is there anything else that you'd like to? Actually, you know, I would like to continue with that because I'd like to show people who are like me yes. that all is not lost. You can see where I came from, uh, the trials and tribulations of having this, uh, the good things, the bad things. But don't be afraid to just keep it to yourself. And you can actually see the good I did for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And all without charge. I never charged for anything I ever did. Yes, I wanted to mention that you don't advertise and you no. only take certain situations and, and right. generally paranormal investigations where somebody needs help. Right. Okay. Um, you know, I usually don't go out with like ghost hunters. I have a problem with that. Okay. Uh, because what is a ghost? It is the spirit of somebody's mother, father, sister, or brother. Right. And they're trapped here for some reason. Why do I want to hunt them? Why do right. I want to go with all kinds of gears and, and tell them, talk to me, talk to me. I, I, I want you to, to move that plate for me. No, they're not here for my entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so... I take it very seriously, and if there's a real problem, maybe I could help. But yeah. to go out there as part of the entertainment, going out there to hunt them, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. What would you have been able to do uh, with that house that sucked everybody's soul up? Would, would there Was there anything that you would have been able to do with that house? No, it's still haunted. Uh, people buy the house. They stay there for a while, and then it's up for sale. Nobody mm-hmm. could live in that house. Nobody could, and nobody has. Since uh, everything happened in that house in uh, 2011, I, I mean 2001, right. uh, people have moved in. They've sunk a lot of money into the house, and then they move out. The house is always for sale. Yeah. And when I drive by... I looked at the house and I could see the entity of Angela Webb there. I took a reporter from um, a female reporter from one of the newspapers, the largest newspaper in New Jersey. And she saw the movie. She wanted to see this house. She thought it was fascinating. So I said, okay. So we came into a different direction and she's sitting in, in my SUV And I'm coming down the road, heading towards the house. And a woman says, oh, look at that house on the left. She goes, I just get a bad feeling about that house. Now, the house is located at a T. So when she looked at that house, I made the right-hand turn on the T, turned my truck around, faced the house, and I said, welcome to the Angela Webb house. She goes, oh, my God. She goes, I had no idea. She goes, now I could see why the house has problems. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's... Uh, How like many I, other people have looked at that? Have you, has any other paranormal teams looked at that house or she just... Probably not. They're, they're not going to let anybody in. At CDW, we get you can't lock up your devices. Your workforce needs the freedom to roam. Final morning call, flight 555 to New York. And wherever they go... Productivity is key. But with Microsoft Surface devices pre-configured and deployed by CDW experts, you'll get multi-layered security and seamless experiences to help productivity really take off. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com surface. 
Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Now, the house has been sold for upwards of $800,000. There's a lot of property involved with it. And uh, nobody wants to say my house is haunted and please come in and check it out. Yeah. Uh, the, when I first came out with the film, this couple bought the house. Now, my film was in the local uh, video store. And I had like six copies in that store. And the guy who ran the store said, it is the most popular video I ever had in this store. I cannot keep it on the shelf. And he said the last person that took it out was the mayor. And he took it out. And he thought it was a great film. And so uh, the people came in and they looked at me and they demanded that this film was taken from that video store. And they don't want anything to know about this. They said, because this could hurt our sale. I said, well, if you don't believe in this, you bought the house. So what difference does it make? I never said where the house was at or didn't mention the address or you. And they go, well, it's all nonsense. After they slunk about a couple hundred thousand into the house, it went up for sale. Ah. They couldn't they couldn't take it. And I was just one of the many lists of people who came to the house, bought it, and then put it up for sale. That's amazing. Uh, you know, I've never heard of that. So that is very, very weird. You can also, it was a cult world. I'm sorry, occultworld.com oh. was the, uh, some of your other interviews. You had a great interview. Let me slip this in here uh, with uh, Manson Mitchell. Okay. On KKNW 1150, Alternative Talk Radio. You can find Manson Mitchell on Facebook. And Carl's interview with them is on there. Manson Mitchell will be with us in September. So they have a lot of also celebrity psychics, clairvoyants, and they've interviewed many, many people. So they're going to talk to chat about that. Um, Carl, what else would you want to do you're going to rework the film that you had everybody situated in and then life happened right so sad you're going to redo this film right what else would you like to work on would you do more remote view and can you talk about that how the military uses remote view well remote viewing as most people know is psychic spying right and uh they use people like us, and they give us coordinates, and then we say, what is at that coordinate? And uh, which is in my new book, so I'm saying nothing out of line here. Okay. Ingo uh, Swan, which was head of the remote viewing, um, the, the whole um, program. Right. He was, he was number one on the hit list. He, he actually, like, started it. And... Uh, he tested me to see how good I was. And you have to know this man. He's, he was very strange. He smoked. I never saw him smoke a cigar any bigger than this. <laughs> so I, I, I figured he probably went to some cigar store and said, do you have any nubs, little ones like this? And that's what he smokes. Oh, my goodness. So he would test me to see how good I was. And when I would get it, the answer he would just take that cigar, pull it out of his mouth, and go. Don't even acknowledge it. And that would be it. Uh, and then he decided that I should be interviewed by the CIA. Mm-hmm. You know, so I could be officially used. So uh, we went up to uh, northern North New Jersey. Uh, and... It's called Hillsdale. It's the name of the town. Right. Okay. I'm familiar. And it was a private library that was there. And I had the keys for the place. Wow. And uh, so I went with him. We got to this library, put the key in, and went, walked into the place. Well, I didn't know there was already a guy sitting there. How he got into the place, I have no idea. Anyway, he's sitting there with a suit on. So... Ingo says, have a seat. So I had a seat, and this guy walked up to me, 
I don't know his name. He never identified who he was. But he said, okay, longitude, 40.6 degrees longitude. And he gives me a latitude. And he goes, what's there? So I looked at the man. I said, there's an island. I said, there's a road that goes all the way around the outside of the island. There are palm trees. I said, the cars have the steering wheel on the right-hand side, so it's a British colony that probably has this island. And I started describing about the houses, what they look like, you know, on this island, and going into all these details. So then I happened to look up to my right, and there's Ingo standing there, and he has a big smile on his face. So the guy just shakes his head, and he goes, did you get that information after I gave you the longitude and latitude? I said, no. I said, you see, I have a problem with numbers. When you, oh. see, when you give me numbers, is you might as well be going blah, 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 blah. I have a terrible problem with numbers, and it means nothing to me. Okay. I said, did I get, it's called a target. I said, okay. did I get the target right? And he went, Yes. But we can't use you. This is why. Because of the numbers? You have to do it our way. So it was like, all right. you know, And I just walked away from it. And then I felt really bad until I met a, a researcher mm-hmm. who I knew personally. And I told him about my tale of woe, how this thing didn't work. And uh, he said to me, Carl, he says, you think you're the only one? They interviewed other people just like you. When they couldn't get it with their longitude and latitude, they told they told them all, we can't use you. So you're one of many. So I could do remote viewing, but not the way the government wants me to do it. I have seen a couple of videos of people do that, um, and I cannot remember the place, but I feel like it's out west someplace. There's an institute and I saw them do it by coordinates, and it's like amazing. I have no idea how they do that. But when you were, how you got it, were you like getting it from the gentleman that was sitting there? Or was it your, is that how you saw it? It was coming off of him without the coordinates? I don't know if it came from him or from Ingo. Because oh. Ingo knew the place because he put a big smile on his face when I told him everything about the island. Uh, so he knew. Wow. Um, where I got it from, I have no idea. Either from either one of them or right from the air. I could see it. What was the what was the word that I wanted to ask you about? Retrocognition? Yeah. Are you using that term to uh, describe the past, something in the past? Yeah, something in the past. I could see things in fine detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one when I first met the parapsychologist at the, at the Parapsychology Foundation, and I said to her that I could um, look at a photograph. I could look at it and then go into the photograph, turn around, and look backwards to see who's taking the photo. That's weird. So she goes, would you like to try it at my house? I said, oh, absolutely. I'd like to, to show you what I could do. So we went to her house, and in her dining room, she had a uh, almost like a, a cabinet where she has all of her dishes. It didn't have a, a upper portion, only the bottom portion. And on that were all these photographs in frames of her family, taken over many, many years. So she goes, well, how about one of these photos? I said, okay, let me look. And I looked up and down, and I said, ah. This one. And I pulled out a, a frame of two women that were in the picture. One had an apron on, one didn't. And I said, uh, this was taken during the war. And I said, because I went inside the photograph and I turned around and I said, the man that took the picture is wearing blue pants, a white shirt, a blue tie. And I said, and I went with my hands like this. He's having problems taking the picture. He's like bent contortion-wise trying to take this picture. And the woman with the um, uh, 
with the apron on, she's worried because she had to save up a lot of meat coupons during the war to buy a roast. And she said it's in the oven and he's taking so long that it's going to burn. And I says, that's what was going through her mind. Okay. And I said, oh, by the way, this picture was taken in Newark. Ah, okay. <laughs> and so she said to me, well, the two women in there, one to the left is my mother. She passed away. And the second one is my aunt who's still alive. I said, okay, well, if you get a chance, give her a call, see what she has to say. She goes, okay, and I left. I wasn't there when she made the phone call. So she called her aunt, and she said, you know that picture I have of you and mom in the yard in Newark, and you had an apron on? And the woman goes, oh, I remember that photo. She said, let me tell you, I saved up all my coupons to buy this meat. And she goes, and that's your Uncle Stan, and he had polio, and he wasn't in the military. So when he said he wanted to take a picture of us, he had the roughest time with the camera trying to hit the shutter because he just couldn't operate his hands properly. She goes, oh, I remember that day. It was a horrible day. She said, I'll never forget taking that picture. I said, and she said, thank you. She never told her, her aunt why she was asking questions about that picture. But that's an example of being able to do that. What would you say? We have a few people on that are exploring uh, their psychic abilities or skills. They want to learn skills. What would you say to them? Because their abilities are quite different. Right. Uh, do you have any advice for them about sticking to it or trying something new or not being afraid? Well, number one, don't be afraid. Uh, another thing is that when you're involved with this, Take your time. Look at the fine details of something. Don't expect. And what's really bad is on television shows, we have people who are ghost hunters who are want a, um, they challenge the ghost, you know, move that chair. I'm giving you 45 minutes and then I'm leaving. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, You know, take your time. Um, study the situation, know the background if you if you know it, and don't be in such a hurry. And uh, treat okay. these people with respect. If you're going uh, out to uh, work with spirits, treat them as if they're alive and like you would treat a friend. Don't challenge them, yell at them, or expect them to perform for you. And you'll start getting better, better results. That's what I think there's any um, purpose to paranormal investigation. Is there a real purpose? No, not really. I could. uh, It's there. Let's see if the house has problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, Approach it like you would if they were alive. Like somebody was there alive and giving you problems. Go to the house. Don't make a lot of noise. And for God's sake, don't bring these these gadgets with you right they love gadgets and, and they um looking they're like um they're neon they're they blue colors their red eyes coming out of it and they're walking around the house with this thing well a lot of these spirits could be well over 100 years old now can you imagine let's say 150 years ago if you were alive back then and somebody pulls up with this device and has this little red light that's coming out. Scary. It would, it would scare you. You'd yeah. run away from this. Yeah. Um, what I do, I have a, a technique that I that I do. I walk into a house. That may sound kind of strange. No devices at all. Mm-hmm. I walk in, and I take my arms, and I raise them above my head. And then I slowly turn around. So they see I have nothing on me. Oh, okay. And then I don't walk quickly. I walk slowly and I speak to them. That's when I get my results. Not putting laser beams in their face. Right. uh, And not screaming when my 
my counter something starts to beep. Because that's what these people do. You go, oh, I got something, I got something. I, just, why are you doing that? And uh, so that's my take. I tell people to do that, and you'll probably get better, much better results. I was uh, speaking at a ghost group, and they went to a restaurant. And they said that the restaurant is haunted. So after I did my talk, we went there for dinner. And this group of people liked my what I had to say, and they were sitting at my table. The rest of them were running around the restaurant with their devices. And I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at the people at the table. And I said, you know what's really funny? And they said, what? I said, they're running at the other end of the restaurant looking for a ghost. And I said, all they had to do was ask me because the ghost is standing right over there watching us. Hmm. And I said, if you want, I can tell you what they look like. But that's what I mean about misdirected. A lot of these people are, you know, with the devices and screaming and uh, all this is carrying on. It's, it's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it doesn't work. Now, do you see when you look at a building or you look at um, a property, let's say, is it is it like an archaeological dig for you? Like, can you see what's down there or what's what's been there? Or are there layers of people? Well, here's one of the things that I do. When people are restoring a house, yeah. they'll ask me to come and visit. And then I'll come there, like this one house that was in a, a very affluent area in New Jersey. Uh, it's called Glen Ridge. Yes. And it's, they had the largest mansion in the town. Wow. And I went there and they were restoring it. And they asked me to go through the house and tell them about what it was like around 1905. Wow. So I walked around the house and I said, above every doorway were very thick uh, drapes. There was a big bar that went across, a, a brass bar. And I said they gathered the, the uh, uh, this curtain with a big piece of cloth and they screwed it into the wall. So uh, the one guy looks at the other and he says, I went ahead and I threw out those big curtains that were down in the basement. He goes, I didn't know why they were there. And there were so many of them. I said, well, they were in every doorway. And as I'm walking around, I said, in your... Uh, molding in the rooms, they would have pictures that would hung down on wires. Right. And I says they to hang them up. They would nail these devices in the molding to hold the the, uh, uh, the wires down to hold the pictures. So he goes, I hired a guy from Ireland to come in here to fix my molding because I had all the holes in them, and I didn't know why there was holes in the molding. Uh-huh. And then we would go through the house and I would say, um, this wall wasn't here. This was put in later. And I would just tell them about this. And so they would just write everything I said. And then they would go get the drapes, get the rods. And then they would restore their house the way it was back in 1905. And it's not the only people I do this for. I hope they pay you or something for that. Nah, I usually have a drink or something. And that's oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Some kind of exchange. If you we do have a question on um, uh, remote viewing and how to do that, I think, or how to start that, and also going inside a picture. Do you have any advice for for newbies that are or people that are interested in exploring that? Should they just? I mean, it, it's got to be hard because I would imagine it must be hard for some. It's like brushing your teeth for you. Right. So how do you explain how to do something that you don't know how you got to begin with? Well, I don't know how to tell somebody how to do it. Yeah, that's what a lot of I people mean, that are very yeah. uh, have very great abilities yeah. don't know how they to explain it. I just do it. And uh, accuracy is very, very high. Right. Uh, I know uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, mm-hmm. she's author and a very good friend. And she would just be amazed at some of the things that I was capable of doing. Uh, when she was single at the time, she would show me a picture of her, of a boyfriend that she met online. And I would tell her 
everything about the guy before she met him. And then she would come back and say, why did I even go on the date? You told me everything about him. It was super accurate. And I would do that all the time. Now, you know, just in her case, you know, with these, uh, these men that she went out with, but uh, even friends, I would say, don't do this or don't do that uh, because it's not going to work. And I said, but try this or try that. And of course they never listen to you. They do it. It doesn't work. And I says, well, try it my way. And then they try it and it works because I could see it. Yeah. And how, how, how do you challenge yourself? It's got to be hard with all your abilities. How do you challenge? What would be new and refreshing for you? Everything is new. Everybody, everybody I meet. And, uh, Here's the, this is great. Uh, I met this woman. Uh, she was working for an advertising company. And uh, she wasn't, you know, very young, but she was very, very good at what she did. Mm-hmm. She made this company a lot of money. And so I looked at her and I said, you know, we're good friends. And I just want to tell you that there are people where you're working. They want you out. They think you're too old. And they think that they're going to step up and do what you're doing. So I said, they had a conversation amongst themselves. And within a week, they're going to go to the president of the company to state their case where they think you should go out and they should take over your job. And I said, she says, well, who are they? I said, well, they don't wear a name tag, so I have to describe them to you. Mm -hmm. And so as I was describing these people, she go, oh, that's Dave. Or, or that's that's Ellen. And, you know, she knew the people. I said, they don't wear name tags. I don't know who they are. So on my word alone, it was that was over a weekend. Monday morning, she went in to see the president of the company. And she mentioned these people by name and said, they're coming to see you. And they want me out of here so they could take over my job. Mm-hmm. And he goes, how do you know? She goes, I just know. Well, that week, it was a Thursday. They all came into his office. And they said, we, have, we want to talk to you about something. And he said, what do you want to talk to me about? And then they said, she's been here all these years. And we think it's time that you should get a new approach to everything. And he goes, okay. He says, she has been with me. For almost 20 years, she goes, this company exists because of how good she is. And if you think for one second I'm going to get rid of that woman, you're nuts. Oh, by the way, you're all fired. Wow. He fired them all. Yeah. Or and, her. Uh, you know, because of her. And you know, that's just one example of, you know, seeing things. I told her, I was giving her the conversations that were being said by one person to another. That's how accurate it could be. I could actually tune in. That's why they call me the absolute witness. Yes. Because I'm witnessing something that I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just one example of, of being able to do that. We just had a question. Can you shut off your abilities? No. So you're on all the time. All the time. uh, It was got really bad where I couldn't sleep for days at a time. Mm -hmm. And I actually started drinking a lot of scotch. Okay. And a lot. And it was got to a point where I was blitzed most of the time because I could not handle it. Every time I look at somebody, I would know things about their past. Yeah. And there was one day... I'll never forget it. I came home and I walked into the door and I looked at my wife and they said, where's my scotch? The minute that came out of my mouth, I said, that's it. It's over. You will never do this again. And I stopped doing it. And uh, uh, I tried everything else to try to fall asleep at night and found different ways that I could. But that's how detrimental it is. How would you like to, every time you go out, you meet somebody mm-hmm. and you look at them and you know everything about them. Now you're, 
they're strangers. You're trying to sleep at night, and there's somebody that I met on the street that I know everything about their life. How do you sleep at night? See the problem? Yes. Oh, I definitely would not want it. How did, when you met your um, high school sweetheart, your wife, what did you see that said, that's the girl for me? I played in the marching band. I was, I was a senior. I played saxophone, uh, alto saxophone. And the freshman came in and this woman came in, Sue, and she was a flautist. She played the flute. So I looked at her sitting there, and next to me was my good buddy, Brian, who played the tenor saxophone. And I said, Brian. He goes, yeah. I says, see that woman playing the flute? He goes, yeah. I says, I'm going to marry her. Wow. And he looked at me like I was nuts. He says, yeah, I'm going to marry her. And we got married. And I, that's the first time I saw her. I knew that I was going to marry her. And I already announced it to my friend that I was going to marry her. Good thing she said yes, huh? Well, I knew she was. <laughs> Just kidding. And I bet she, uh, it has made for a very interesting life, I would imagine. Yes, because, uh, you know, there's sometimes in your life that you come across problems or whatever, and it comes in handy to be able to do this. You know, when you know what family members are thinking or friends or whatever. Or not handy in some cases. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I have never heard of anyone with the abilities that you have. And I know that you are so generous with your time on certain situations. You don't take money for things. Um, But you do do different talks. Are you going to be talking anywhere, giving a talk or lecture anywhere in Jersey or elsewhere? Well, everything that I was going to do was put on hold. Because of COVID. Yes. Yeah. I had a big uh, speaking engagement in Spring Lake, New Jersey. Right. At, at right. their uh, library. And I don't know if it's going to go on in September. And for the Freemasons uh, in um, October, I had another engagement there. And I don't know if that's going to go on. Yeah. Well, I hope I know the same here. We're not doing a lot of in-person events. Exactly. Uh, but, I mean, we'll get caught up again. I want to remind everyone, Absent Witness is written by Carl uh, Petri. It is available on Amazon.com. There it is. And it's excellent. Um, it's a little scary for me. Uh, I don't do paranormal normally. I've done little ghost tours. Let's put it that way. Um, what I did was I brought a few people downtown oh the old part of sarasota i'm in sarasota florida and um had them i did the history first i looked up all the history of the buildings with the section we were going to be in and then i walked with them and i had them write down what they got and then at the end of the tour you know i didn't say anything at the end of the tour i validated by reading the history to them who got this you know what did you get at this house what did you get at this building what did you get at this barn and they were amazed by what could be validated historically. Right. So they were thrilled by that. Um, that's about it, though. I don't go into, like, uh, murder scenes. Now, I know that you've been, have experienced homicide, missing persons, right? kidnapping. I mean, that's horrible stuff. It is. Uh, it takes a lot out of you. Because the horrible deed that happened, I relived that over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Uh, in the one case, I saw how a man took uh, his girlfriend. He was married, uh, and he got this girl pregnant, and she was going to tell his wife that she's pregnant and all this, and uh, he took her to an area and took her out of his car, hit her with a two-by-four, opened up a manhole cover and threw her body down in it, but she was still alive. Ah. And so when she looked up, she could see the plate going over and closing up the hole. And she was severely hurt and she died. You know, she died there. And she just went as a missing person. Yeah. But I, I took them to the area where she was, where she died. And it's really, I, I could go into details about that, but 
basically what happened with that was um, because it was me who said everything, they wouldn't accept it. Everything I said was true. Everything that I said about the relationship, where they would go, where they went shopping, and all that. And I don't know these people. And they right. said, everything you said is accurate. I said, okay, this is where the body is. Go and get them. And uh, they just froze up and they said, well, we're going to hire a private investigator to do this. They see you're wasting your time. He's here. She's here. And because of that, and that's one of the problems you have with being a psychic. They just, some people just don't believe in it. Right. No matter what you show them, their thing is, I don't believe in psychics, therefore it doesn't exist, and we don't take their word for anything. Right. And you are amazing, Carl. I hope that you will spend more time with us in the future. Love and to. I wish you a lot of luck, and I, I can't wait to hear more of your projects. Uh, don't forget, Absent Witness. And keep us uh, in touch, please. Sure. And let us know how the book is coming. People can catch you on Facebook, correct? Yes. Okay. Is that the best place to see what's going on with the, what's coming up for you? It is. Okay. So here, there you go, Carl Petri. Uh, thank you for your service, sir, and thank you for everything that you do. I wouldn't trade with you for anything, but I will pray for you that you get some sleep. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great being on the show. God bless. Thanks for being on. We really loved having you, and I can't wait to do it again. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Good night, all. Thank you for being with us. Have a good evening. Don't want the fun to end? Grab more refreshments. Then head over to the Goldilocks Productions YouTube channel. With the huge selection of shows, the fun doesn't have to end. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.